This podcast may include adult content. Bound Off is an independent, non-profit audio magazine committed to paying authors for their work. To join us in our mission of broadcasting great stories to a worldwide audience, please consider dropping us a dollar or two at boundoff.com slash donate. Support for this episode comes from the Loft Literary Center, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, one of the nation's leading literary nonprofits, offering a wide array of online creative writing classes for all levels and genres. Online classes are offered seasonally. Find out how to register at loft.org. Welcome to Bound Off, a literary audio broadcast. In this edition, we have two stories. Our Trip to the Moon by Bob Thurber and Driving Lesson by Natasha Fish. Our Trip to the Moon, written by Bob Thurber, read by Anne Rushton. Listening time, 2 minutes, 57 seconds. When my brother and I were barely more than babies, our grandfather took us to the moon. I don't expect anyone to believe me, and frankly, I don't remember how we got there. What we did for air or how we got back, and neither, sadly, does my brother. This was right after our mother had died in a horrible accident. So we were still pretty young, my brother barely walking, me just turned three. And at those ages, a person's sleep patterns are still pretty crazy, so I'm guessing we snoozed on the ride there and back. If we went in a rocket or some kind of spaceship, we probably had padded seats, our comfy little beds with straps to hold us in. But if we got to the moon by a ladder, then I guessed my grandfather must have carried us, each on his shoulder, like two uneven sacks of grain. I do remember we were dressed in heavy fur coats with hoods over clean knitted caps, and that we wore rubber boots and wool mittens with long, colorful scarves cured around half our faces, and that it was very dark and very cold. My brother was petrified of the dark, and he's still afraid of it now. And though I've never been afraid of anything, I didn't like the extreme cold or the strangeness of the place. I want to go home, I said boldly. We just got here, Grandpa said. Trey wants to go too, I said, pointing at my brother, who was clinging to Grandpa's leg like a bear cub stuck up in a tree and whimpering like one too. Listen to me, Grandpa said. This is a great place. I used to bring your mother here when she was a little girl. She loved it, and I'll tell you why. Nothing changes here. Not ever. Unlike Earth, there's no erosion, no wind or rain, no storms or volcanic activity to shift what's beneath your feet, change the surface. Nothing ever gets washed away or covered over or swallowed up. Nothing gets folded back inside itself, then buried and forgotten. Have a quick look around. The footprints made by the first Apollo astronauts are right over there, and they'll remain visible for as long as the moon exists. Then he grins like a crazy cat in that crazy story. Your mother's footprints are here, too, he said. See if you can find them. Then Grandpa just let us run loose. We went together, my brother and I, holding hands, and we found our mother's footsteps faster than if we had a map. We placed our feet inside her prints, which weren't much bigger. We hopped a few strides, tracing her trail, leaping higher and easier than I expected. Then we got tired of all that and just played in the dust like it was snow, stomping around, leaving patterns, making snow angels, kicking up so much moon dust that it floated around us like we were inside a snow globe that someone had given a really hard shake. I imagine he did that, my grandfather. 
He was always shaking things up. The end. Bob Thurber is the author of Paperboy, a dysfunctional novel. Recently, he was selected as one of the top 10 finalists for Esquire Magazine's 2012 Short Short Fiction Award. For more information, visit bobthurber.net. Driving Lesson, written by Natasha Fish, read by Kelly Shriver. Listing time, 6 minutes, 20 seconds. Driving Lesson, by Natasha Fish. Snipers, billboards, hydroplaning. These vocabulary words are written on dusty flashcards in my loopy handwriting, stuffed in my desk drawer from junior year. That's when I wore sweatpants instead of slinky skirts and took my driver's ed course from my mom it came in a box, instead of at Grandview High School. Even though I had been indoctrinated into the public education system two years ago, my mom had preserved the driver's ed curriculum from our homeschooling days, for when I turned 16. Instead of auditioning for Grandview's winter musical, I had too much on my plate already, my mom said. I painstakingly memorized vocab words. Vocab words that symbolized things to be wary of, to look out for, to perceive on the horizon as potential threats. These are terms that most people forget or never hear of, but are good to learn anyways, I guess. Naturally, like any self-respecting goody-two-shoes, I learn them by heart, which is why I can still repeat them ten years later. Snipers are other cars or pedestrians that could potentially drive or step into your path. Billboards are large trucks that block your sight of the road up ahead and hydroplaning is most likely to occur during the first ten minutes of a rainstorm, when all the oil and dirt floating on top of the water makes the road slick and treacherous. I don't know if I should be proud or if I should shake my head in self-pity. Probably the latter. I've been driving for a decade now with an immaculate record. I only got pulled over once, and that was because my rear taillight had gone out. I got off with a warning. I didn't forget those vocab words, or any of the rest, because I thought that if I avoided all the things on the road that drivers are supposed to avoid, I would stay alive. Staying alive sounded pretty good to me. I got a 96% on my written test, and passed with flying colors on my in-car test. I was always a great student, even when I didn't have to be. I chose to do my homework instead of smoking pot and making out on the weekends. I'm pretty sure my teachers were the only ones who had any memories to write about me in my yearbook. Yet, despite my SAT scores and honor roll listing, my driving instructor and probably everyone else would be mortified now. But you know what? It's really not fair for anyone to judge my current situation. I'm a normal girl. I like boys. I went to high school and had one boyfriend. I went to college and had none. I had great aspirations for a great career and a great marriage and great kids. All that jazz. But instead, for the last four years of my forlorn post-grad existence, I've been driving home in traffic from my 9-to-5 job, sandwiched between all the weekends of popcorns and soap operas. I would hope for some sort of curve to appear on the straight shot into the desert skyline of my life while I tapped my fingers on the steering wheel. And when that hope appeared in the reflection of my rearview mirror, wouldn't you look too? But when you look in your rearview mirror, you're not supposed to keep looking. That's called rubbernecking, and it can be really annoying, especially when it slows down five miles of highway into solid columns of traffic. Unfortunately, today I'm at fault for that five or ten or maybe fifteen mile stretch of interstate with cars packed together like meat patties, 
horns honking because nobody knows what's going on up ahead. Not yet. They will when they pass me and see how stupid I was. And as they rubberneck, they'll learn, like I should have known, that if you see something nice, you really shouldn't keep looking. Because right now, while there are miles of miffed drivers parked bumper to bumper behind me, I'm bleeding out on the curb like a stuck pig. I think I can see some of my brains plastered to the useless guardrail, but I'm not sure. It's amazing how much of your body starts to look the same when it's turned inside out and pasted on the mangled metallic remains of your 2003 Ford Focus. It's a good car, don't get me wrong, but if it's in a battle with a solid wall of cement, it will lose. Just FYI. Was there another car that smashed me up onto the side of the highway wall? No. Was I fatigued or emotional? Not really. Was I high or intoxicated? I don't even know what beer tastes like. I avoided all those things, but I still fell victim to the power of hope in the rearview mirror, my wandering gaze snagged like a bull by the nose with a ring of gold. It's too bad that such a small part of us, those twin windows to the soul, is attached to something so much bigger and more dangerous. My advice? When you see a cute, quirky guy in the 1978 Volvo 242 behind you, with a slick 50s hairdo and that charming boyish grin, don't start to think of how adorable he'd be standing at one end of the aisle wearing a skinny tie and cream-colored vest as you walk towards him on your daddy's arm. Just stop right there before you imagine what underground, alternative music he jams to, with his band, and how he likes his coffee, and all the sweet nothings he'll whisper in your ear one day, smelling like fresh plaid and wood smoke. Please stop yourself from gazing into his twinkling hazel eyes as he adjusts his non-prescription horn-rimmed glasses before you end up like me, on the side of the road with your own hazel eyes literally spilling out of your head, your ocean of dreams ebbing away with the cute, quirky guy who's driving safely away oblivious to the repercussions of that close-fitting button-down invest combo he donned this morning. Hope isn't supposed to kill you, but sometimes it does when it shows up in your rearview mirror like an unseen sniper, distracting like a billboard. Sometimes hope keeps you from looking ahead like you're supposed to, and in just one moment your whole future can slide away from you like weary tread over an inescapable sea of oil and water. They don't teach you that in driver's ed. The end. Natasha Fish's work has previously appeared in numerous literary magazines. She was awarded second place in the 2012 Arapahoe Community College Writers Studio Literary Contest. Listener-supported Bound Off is made possible by grants from the Kern Family Endowed Fund. Further support comes from the Google Grants Program. Thanks for listening to this edition of Bound Off. Copyright Bound Off and the respective authors. All rights reserved. Visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts and how to submit your stories. <laughs>